This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes This down. one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. Oh. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Houston ducks under. Got it. Creates and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees win! Yankees win! Goodness gracious, that was tough. Oh my god, man. Oh man. It's been a year for this team, man. It's really been a hell of a year for the Knicks. But, um, you know, it, I hate using the term you know, toughest loss of the season because that's so overused, especially this year with Knicks fans. We've been saying that so much, but man, that was up there. And of course, personally, it was one of the toughest because as you can see by the title of this episode, yeah, man, I had something going for that one. Oh my God. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's hard to sit here and take losses like that. Especially after what they did in that third quarter. But um, we'll get to it. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And we're back with another episode of BD4. Welcome to episode 308 of the podcast. You're listening to BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees index analysis. We also do MMA now, too, on Saturdays. Um, MMA Saturday is back, so we'll be recapping the UFC events, uh, either the next day in the pod or uh, Monday the latest. So stay tuned for that. we got a big one coming up on Saturday. First pay-per-view event of the year, Francis Ngannou going up against Cyril Ghosn. But this next loss was something else. We're going to get to that. But yeah, subscribe to this podcast, guys, if you have not yet. We are on all the, you know, usual listening platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Anchor, all that. And you can also watch the video format of this podcast up on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe there, comment, like the video or episode, wherever you're at, whatever platform, share it with your friends on social. Follow me on social if you want. I'm at RJ Carbone on Facebook, where I bitch and moan during the games. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone, where I, I, I share a bunch of nonsense on my stories, but I also post the the podcast episodes when they're live. I post the promos, little short clips. So follow me there. Um, It was a tough loss. I'm sorry. I'm still trying to get get my, um, I guess, get my energy back and get my mind together after that one. Jesus Christ. 
All right. We'll get to it. We'll start up. No need to waste further time. Right? We'll, we'll talk about this loss. So let's head to our first plug. When we get back, we'll get right into the swing of things. Stay with us. Hey guys, so I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way we can help the channel grow and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. All right, so the Knicks, yep, the Knicks, the big, bad New York Knicks take this loss, a tough loss on uh, what's today. As I am recording, it is January 18th on a Wednesday, the Knicks lost. I'm sorry, on a Tuesday, Tuesday, January 18th, the Knicks just lost. As you are listening to this, it should be Wednesday the 19th. Um, But, yeah, let me just make sure we're all set up here on the... uh, Software, we're good. Yeah, uh, one ten point. Uh, I'm sorry, one twelve to one hundred ten. The Timberwolves take this one by two points. Um, you know, uh, the Knicks were getting beat up early. Uh, Edwards, Towns getting into the paint. They had eight turnovers in the first quarter. Uh, they had nine turnovers by the time, you know, like ten seconds into quarter number two. So they had half of their turnover total basically within the first 12 minutes of this game. But somehow, someway, they were still in the game by halftime. 61-51, to 51, they were down just 10. Despite all that, you know, it was it, they were at that breaking point that I mentioned a few episodes back when you're like in double figures deficit. You're either one run away from getting back into the game or one run away from being finished. So they were right there. And what do they do? What do they do in the third quarter? They go and make a big ass run uh, with forty points in the third quarter alone. They score over forty points. They score from everywhere. They were hitting threes. They were getting to the foul line, and they were getting on the inside. Um, but somehow, some way, the Knicks found a way to lose this thing and fold in the final minutes. They completely folded. Awful moments there from Randall. Some some bad moments for R.J. Barrett. Um, and I get that the officiating was pretty garbage. But, you know, there was that one no call on R.J. Barrett where he jumped up for that steal um, and he was bumped. That was pretty evil to not blow the whistle there. But, listen, we hurt our own selves here. The Knicks were horrible at the free throw line, they were horrible when it came to turning the ball over. And with the whole free throw thing, it was more timing, as it usually is, than, than the percentage. right? I think they shot 72% at the line, which still isn't very good. But it was just the, the timing of, of these missed free throws. Um, Julius Randle, and I think all of Madison Square Garden knew that this was happening. They knew 
that that miss was coming. You know, with 24 seconds left, um, the Knicks were down two points at the time. Randall gets fouled for two free throws, and he misses the first one. And it was, the again, it's the most inevitable thing ever. Everybody and their mothers knew that shot was not going in. Um, at the time, when he missed that second free throw, I was so heated that the camera, when it panned to his son, I yelled at the TV, Hey, kid, your father sucks. <laughs> so I take that back. All right, kid, I was heated. But it was a bad... <laughs> it was rough. Yeah, it was bad for me. I was in a bad mood. It was... You can't miss those free throws. But it, everybody... It's more frustrating because we all know what's happening. And even that, even though we know what's happening, it just makes it even more frustrating because we can't do anything about it. So he misses the free throw. He does hit the second. So, you know, Hooray, good for him. But, I mean, it's... it's He does it all the time, man. He's now... I went and looked it up right after the game because I wanted to see if it backed up the eye test. And it does. He is now 61% this season. 61% when he's at the line with under three minutes to go in a five-point game either way. And, as a Nick overall in that spot, under three minutes to go in a five-point game, he's 69% only on free-throw attempts. On 68 attempts. As a Nick. So it backs it up. He, he misses a decent amount of the time in those clutch spots. He, he was absolutely terrible there. You can't have that happen. He makes that free-throw. It's a completely different game. But I don't want to harp too much on that because Randall was pretty good tonight. He was okay. He took advantage of, of that small power forward rotation that Minnesota has. You know, he realized the mismatches and he was attacking the hoop. He had five attempts in the painted area and 11 free throw attempts. So overall, 16 shots from attacking the hoop. And he also moved the ball around some more. And he did so efficiently some more. He had another 9-assist game tonight, and he only had 3 turnovers, which is okay. But you look at his last 3 games now, 21 assists versus 5 turnovers, which is good. For some perspective, if you average that out, that's about 7 assists and and 1.5 turnovers, I believe. So, he had another good night. It's just you can't have that happen at the free throw line. The Knicks in their free throw shooting, it's abysmal in the clutch. Even R.J. Barrett, he was 3-for-6 tonight, man. The Knicks were up two points with two minutes and 20 seconds to go, I think it was. RJ misses his first free throw attempt. And they turned it over 18 times. The Wolves scored 15 points off of those turnovers, and RJ had seven of them. He had seven turnovers tonight. He's been a jackass with the ball lately. That's now 13 turnovers for RJ Barrett in his last two games. And previous to this week, he, you know, he had three turnovers in two games. And, you know, this is against the Timberwolves. Edwards. You know, if you're RJ, you cannot have a nightmare game like that, considering you're going up against Edwards. You remember the whole thing with Anthony Edwards last year? The guy has done nothing but talk trash about you openly to the media every time he gets a shot. 
and you, RJ, in your own home, your own home court, put together a no-show effort like this against them. That's beta shit to me, man. That's some beta shit. But as much as I absolutely hate Edwards, and I do, he triggers me with those comments, I admit it. He's the better player right now, and he, therefore he can say what the hell he wants about Arte Parrott. But he's a good-ass player. Dropped 22 tonight. But he, he Anthony Edwards, you know, he possesses those three skills that I say every true guard should have. I say this constantly. You remember? Um, he's got the three true skills that I think a guard should have. The abilities to shoot, jump, and dribble. And he's got all three of those. RJ doesn't exactly have those. So Edwards is the better player right now. RJ's got to get it together. These last two games, some atrocious decision-making for the kid. Absolutely horrible, dumb decisions by R.J. Barrett. That one cross-court pass, I mean, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. It was literally right to the defender. I forget who it was. He was trying to kick it to Burks, but I forget who stole it. It was awful. And seven times he turned it over tonight. Seven. See that, Knicks fans? You see? So, so, so to the to the, uh, the Randall infatuation crowd, we criticize R.J. too. Everybody gets upset. They get very upset with the Randall thing. Listen, you have to understand something, and I promise this is going to be quick because I know I rant on this a lot. How this works is, is R.J. Barrett is a 21-year-old kid making $8 million. He's still on his rookie contract. He's a 21-year-old kid. Julius Randall is an eight-year veteran set to make $117 million within the next half decade. So he's going to be held to a higher standard, rightfully so. He's the moneymaker. He's the leader of the team. So he gets that extra weight, good and bad. So if it feels like Knicks fans are a little too harsh on Randall, it's only because of the expectations now. When you sign that contract, when you put your signature on that piece of paper, you get the expectations to raise. That's going to happen. And when you're a young player, still trying to find your way in this league, sometimes you're going to get the benefit of the doubt more than the veteran. Rightly so. But I went at him. Knicks fans are going at him tonight. He was horrible. 13 turnovers in two games is absolutely diabolical. You know what else is absolutely diabolical? It's Tom Thibodeau. Sometimes, man. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But some of the decisions he made late, late in the game tonight was just horrible. And I want to touch on that. When we get back, stay with us. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is R.J. Carbone. Instagram at Rob J. Carbone.
So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And I hate to bring this up every single episode. I feel like I am. But I, I was not very satisfied with what I saw, what we were getting from Tom Thibodeau tonight. It was many things. Many, many things, too, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I'm a Tibbs guy. I'm very happy he's he's our coach. but And I don't think that I want to fire him because I, I don't think there's many other options out there right now. There aren't many coaches that attract me. But he's not been great this season. And, and I thought this game was a really good example of some of his big flaws. Um, I don't know where to start. Um, we'll start at the top of the fourth quarter. All right. So Mitchell Robinson picks up his fifth foul. And this was sometime in the third quarter. And then Mitch gets checked in. I, I really I thought Thibodeau went to Mitch way too early in the fourth quarter. Considering he's got five fouls. He checks him in with like 11.05 to play in the fourth. So you're really trusting Mitchell Robinson, who's shown you over the course of his career he cannot play clean basketball when he's about to foul out. He's shown that time and time again. Yes, he's gotten a little bit better, but Clyde was saying it too. He struggles with the fouls. So he went to Mitch very early in the fourth quarter, I thought. Um, and he trusts him to play 11 consecutive minutes clean minutes against Carl Anthony Towns. He leaves the game. He fouls out with like, what, six something to go. And immediately, you know, after a three-pointer, the Wolves get like several buckets down low. They draw some fouls. and So that one pissed me off. That really got to me. And then I'm looking on the other end. And, and the things we're doing offensively to counter the baskets that we're giving up. These possessions at the end of games, man, are brutal. Absolutely brutal. I mean, what are we doing? There is absolutely zero plan of attack here. The pick and roll isn't even, it's not even a thought in our mind. It's just pound the air out of the basketball. ISO, don't pass until you're trapped. And Minnesota was throwing two on the ball every single time. All night long. They were pressuring the ball. Two, two, two. They were trapping. And we couldn't get out of it. That's, you know, hence the, the turnovers. But every time late in the game, we just go up there and dribble. And it's not even like it's a set ISO either. It's not. It's not like anybody clears out from the strong side and you just have your ball handler. No, everybody is standing in their initial spots and you've got Kemba, Julius, RJ, just dribbling the air out of the basketball. And then there's that one play. Why are we running Evan on the ball there? 
I mean, the dude was on fire and catch and shoot all night long, and he shoots some left hand fadeaway over two defenders. Going in, it's it's so puzzling to me, man. Our, our offensive playbook is so stale; it just lacks any creativity. There's no juice to it, man. It's so simple. All game long, we'll just run a bunch of DHO, a bunch of elbow isolations. I say this so much. And then come the end of a game, we don't even do those generic things. We're beyond that. We're less than generic. There's literally no game plan. Shit like that makes me miss Fizdale's intricate playbook. Way too intricate. But it's just, it's so frustrating, man, to have to see this shit time and time again in these late games. And then, yes, I'm going to get to it because this was the biggest story of the night to me. Going Alec Burks over Obi Toppin there once Taj Gibson fouls out. Are you kidding me? Alec Burks had zero points the entire night. He finished 0 for 3 with zero points. You're telling me you would rather go with a four-guard lineup versus Carl Anthony Towns over an actual power forward to play power forward. The entire Madison Square Garden building was chanting the kid's name, OB, OB. You know how great of a moment that would have been for this kid and his confidence? He was smiling. He was ready to get up. He was looking right at tips. Even the camera panned to him on the broadcast. They panned to the poor kid. He thought it was his moment probably. But nope. Tibbs calls Alec Burks' number. For some reason, he's so in love with this guy. He's in love. Burks is his guy. And on the flip side, Toppin is is his nemesis. It's like... It's crazy. If I'm Obi's agent, man, I'm on the damn phone right now. Not even Sims. In my mind, when when Tosh found out, I'm thinking, alright, well, you know, as, as much as Thibodeau seems to hate playing Obi Toppin, it's got to be Obi or Sims at the very least. I'm saying that to myself. I'm not even thinking about Tibbs going with a guard here. He's practically forced to go with Obi and Sims. But he goes with the four guard. He goes with the four guard lineup against Carl Anthony Towns. Also, Obi or Sims don't miss that dunk at the end there. I'm just saying. And I like Tosh. I think Tosh is, is decent. But dude, Tibbs is so against young athletic players. I don't understand it. He likes the veterans with size, you know, for defense and matchup purposes. But he's so against the young athletic players who like to run. And look at the league we're in. We're in a league with with youth who run the floor. I don't understand. But shit, even if you want to go super small there, even if you want to go with four guards after Tosh fouls out, okay, why not Grimes? Why not quickly? Why the guy who had zero points the entire night? Burks takes that final shot, and yes, he had a decent look at it, but there was still some time left ticking, and yet Kemba Walker right next to him. Now, Kemba has been hot. He just hit three consecutive three-pointers on three consecutive possessions. But Burks takes that shot. Again, no playbook. I think it was just free-for-all. Burks decided that there in that moment. I don't want him taking that shot. I don't even want him in the game. It's it, the reluctance to play Obi Toppin. I don't understand it, dude. 
I'm done after this. This is it. I'm not wasting my time going further on this show right now. This is a 25-minute episode. Done. Shortest we've had in a while. And one more thing on this Obi crap. We can see, clearly see, that Julius is, is gassed at the end of these late tight games a lot of the time, right? We can see that. This guy's logging 35, 40 minutes a night. He's 13th. I just looked it up. He's 13th of almost 600 players on NBA.com in minutes per game. He's 13th. That's the 99th percentile. So we don't want to give our guy our number one option who we desperately need to come through for us late in the game a little rest here and there before these fourth quarters. We don't want that. It, it's just it's just so irritating to me, man. It's so really irritating that this is a continuous pattern. And when you continue to develop bad habits and fail to adjust, that's how you get fired. I'm sorry. Anyway, the Knicks lose. Um, I hate Anthony Edwards. I hate Patrick Beverly, who's one of those players everyone hates unless he's on your team. I hate the Timberwolves. I'm angry. By the way, the latest journeyman to have himself a nice night against the Knicks, Jalen Noel, with 14 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists in like 20-something minutes. 23 minutes. Nothing crazy, but again, it's all about timing. The kid scored, he dropped 11 of his points. 11 of his 14 came in the fourth quarter. (laughs) But worst of all, of course, my parlay was completely ruined. My gosh, was it? So I had Mitch rebounds, that hit. Mitch points, that hit. RJ rebounds, that hit. RJ points, that hit. Julius points, hit. Julius rebounds, hit. The 213 and a half over, that hit. But the Knicks could not take the money line. And that completely botched it. I won't say how much I put down and how much I could have earned, but uh, I will say it was a it was a plus nine hundred bet. It was a plus nine hundred uh eight pick parlay. And and you know, and I had I won, I I'd probably be buying the entire city of New York stakes tonight for a post game meal. But yeah, tough loss. Felt like a playoff loss. It did. Uh, you can't score 40 points in a quarter and, and lose, man. But the Knicks somehow did. They dropped their second straight home game. And they're now 11-13 and 13 at the Garden, which is unacceptable in my opinion. And already 0-2 on this four-game homestand where I said I'd accept nothing less than 3-1. and one. So <laughs> you have that now. Um, that's it guys. That's it for me. We're going to head to break. When we get back, we're going to wrap this up with the NYY NYK question of the day. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stay with us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode, but first I also want to let you know, I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled the bomber Bocker blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month.
A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water resistant properties ensure years worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2841 ERJC. 6A2841 ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomber Bocker blog. And there you have it. Games like that make me want a cigarette and a beer. And I do neither of those. But man, Jesus. All right. Yes, yes, our NYY NYK question of the day to wrap it up. For episode 308, my question to you. So there have been 61 regular season matchups between the Knicks and Timberwolves in their history. Which of the two teams has the winning record against the other? I'll make that 62 now. So there have now been 62 regular season matchups between the Knicks and Timberwolves in their history. Which of the two teams has the winning record against the other? All right, so let me know the answer on Facebook, Instagram, in my comment section, or in my DMs on any of those platforms. All right, so guys, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate you checking out this episode of BD4. Episode 308 of the podcast, the Knicks lose their second straight game. Second straight home game, and uh, it just when you think things are looking up, they go back down. So we'll see what happens. Um, uh, I got to look at the schedule, but they've got two more left on this homestand. And um, who is the? Uh, is it New Orleans coming up? I'll look, but the beatable teams. You absolutely need to take the next two. So we'll see what happens, guys. Thanks for stopping by. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.